Welcome to the 47th official episode of the regular Super Awkward Fun Cast with your hostess, me, Elle Latham, and I just wanted to tell you that I love you and I thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. I'm using a different audio software than usual today, so... Let's see if that's good or bad, uh, depending on the situation. I know it looks like it's going to be very difficult for me to edit, so I better not make too many mistakes. I am just annoyed right now by everything going on in the world, as you can deduce by my attitude and I am trying to keep my head up. It's very difficult to do every day when you're faced with all of these stories coming out. The latest one is Afghanistan again. So we'll get into that. And also there are some happenings with the vaccine passports situation and I have an update on the biometric update website on what's going on there and a lot of other stuff to talk about and hopefully we'll get to Kanye West or something not so controversial. I mean, he used to be controversial, but I don't know now. Um, I have not listened to any of his new music, but we can discuss music or something, I guess. And, you know, movie reviews and that sort of thing. Well, I haven't really seen anything, so I don't know about that. But anyway, stay tuned. So, if you're still stay tuned, If you're still, fuck you. (laughs) I'm doing so great with the editing so far. Um, I'm not going to be able to edit, as I said before, uh, very well this this shit show. But uh, I wanted to say um, thank you for stopping by. Thanks for stopping by from Anchorman. Um, So, yeah, this is awkward. Super awkward fun cast. It wouldn't be right if it weren't awkward. So I probably sound a lot louder now (laughs) because it's the next day. Um, Sorry about the weird low energy uh, intro. Some shit went on and then we had to like reschedule. So anyway, uh, getting into it, I do have a guest for this episode. What? Episode 47. And my guest is someone whom you might know if you listen to this show and also watch the political matrix on the YouTubes for now (laughs) Uh, with Marcus whom you've heard before on the pod and um, Emmanuel and Chris so this is Chris Lawson from Florida Miami I believe and it's good to talk to you today on Monday this is on Monday now (laughs) we're on Monday now 
Uh, how are you? Good evening, everybody. Thanks, Al, for having me. Um, yes, I on Twitter I go by Silosin Eight. Um, you know, but you can call me Chris. That's fine. As Al said, um, we're on the political matrix. It comes on Friday evening. Excuse me, Saturday evenings. <laughs> I know, right? We're off to a great evenings, start. Eleven <laughs> thirty. Uh, Eastern time, so that would be 8.30 Pacific time. Come check us out there. As you all know, Al is also a host on that show as well. So, you know, we're just doing um, Al's um, super awkward. <laughs> we're living up to it. Yeah, we're trying, you know, we're, it's called super awkward, so, you know, we're trying to make it awkward. <laughs> and it probably will get a little awkward. Um, it is very awkward, just like the awkward exit from Afghanistan that just exactly. happened, apparently, while I was waiting to do the pod. Um, I was going to say everything that happened yesterday, which was total bullshit, and uh, get into that. So, to give you like a background of how we got to 20 years, we ended the war. No, we didn't. But, you know, they're saying that. Um, is that... Yesterday they had the drone strikes. So they had drone strikes before this. What was the deal there? Uh, of an ISIS-K planner thing. Planner. Uh, yeah, whatever that means. And then, uh, you know, they were planning to do um, more attacks, like the one that killed 13 service members of the U.S. military, as well as um, a bunch of other people we don't care about as much because we don't talk about it uh, as a nation. I feel like that's every nation, not just like a U.S. problem where you just count the casualties of your own. I feel like that's pretty much everyone. So, Correct, I would agree. Yeah, so, I mean, it makes sense. So then that, and that, that happened, and it was a mess, and Saki said uh, in a press conference that it was one of the worst days uh, of their lives, probably, for the family members, so... You know, losing those those family members that they had was probably the worst day of their life. So they probably didn't want to talk to the president at that moment, is what she said. Um, but anyway, I'm not going to, like, share that clip because it's not really that important. But I'll have all the sources in the show notes, as usual, that we talk about. But getting back to the, the ISIS-K situation, we have variants of ISIS now. That's how crazy everything's gotten with COVID-1984 and yeah I know it's like uh, <laughs> you know we're in this space of uh, we're in a space of like you know how you have um, special K cereal yeah like now we have ISIS K <laughs> you know extremist groups so <laughs> it's pretty it crazy it really is and I mean let's just think about this for a second if I know if we're if me and you were in Afghanistan and we're going to be fighting the United States and NATO forces um, why would we name ourselves ISIS to begin with also that's not their name it's actually ISIL but whatever we don't really Correct. talk about that well yeah and you know we learned that years ago but I'm just saying why would you name yourself ISIS when you know it's probably like the most notorious gang name out there in the entire world at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting how in the last 
regime, as I called him, Trump had said, we got rid of ISIS, we defeated ISIS. And then, you know, this dude comes in and, oh shit, ISIS is back and they're worse than ever. They really are bloodthirsty now. Why are they bloodthirsty? Maybe because you betrayed them, because you put them out there and you created them as an entity and you gave them weapons and then you were like, well, they're the enemy and they're terrorists and then you attack them. So maybe they're not so happy about being betrayed by the government that created them. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe blowback has something to do with it. I'm just saying. So it wasn't surprising to me when that attack happened on the in Afghanistan after they were trying to like get people out and everything and doing a shit job at it. And then eventually we're like, oh yeah, we're going to test for COVID again. You know, we weren't doing that before, but we're going to do it now. And then we're going to get them out by August 31st. Yeah, so that's tomorrow, considering that today is Monday, August 30th. But they got a day, they were a day early. Look at them, they're so proficient. So they were able to do it today, and almost everyone got out. Don't worry about it. Don't ask who is staying. Don't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's just well, celebrate. And we know, <laughs> and we could tell at this point who is staying. It'll be the private contractors. Yeah. And, you know, probably a few special forces. You know, I'm very interested in, you know, I'm very interested to know what's going to happen with the opium production. I mean, I guess we won't be able to tell. We won't be able to tell that, you know, until the next harvest or so, whatever, or the next few to see what's really going on. I would love to see if Afghanistan stays near the top of the list of the world's opium providers. Correct, yeah. And then also... um... I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say. Let's just get to the news. Okay, so I got an article which was important uh, today, but then now it's not as relevant now because it's about the deadline and, you know, meeting it and if everyone finishes the withdrawal. But it's also about the killed children, the children who were killed uh, in the last attack on the suicide the maybe suicide bombing uh, vehicle. <laughs> maybe. Potentially, you know. Um, so let's get to it. Let me see through this article because I don't want to say the whole thing. The dr- withdrawal comes in the aftermath of an ISIS-K suicide bombing that killed dozens of people, including 13 U.S. service members, on August 26th. The thing that they're not telling you in these articles is that according to many people on Twitter, not just Twitter, but like on local media in Afghanistan and on the ground, um, there were reports from people, eyewitnesses, um, that they saw fire, gunfire, in the midst of the attack. So a lot of people died from being shot, according to these people. They don't want to tell you that, because we're all heroes here, <laughs> and we would never do that, <laughs> even though we're taught to do that in the military, you know, to shoot shoot first, you know. And now we got a plane, hopefully you can't hear it too bad, but it's annoying as fuck. Hey, that actually illustrates my point, them in the planes and everything, it's shooting. Like collateral murder, good stuff. Um, we did not get everybody out that we wanted to get out. It's not clear who or how many people were on the final flight out of the airport in Kabul. 
There's a lot of heartbreak associated with this departure. We did not get everybody out that we wanted to get out, McKenzie said, the guy who is the um, major. But I think if we stayed another 10 days, we wouldn't have gotten everybody out that we wanted. Hmm, that we wanted. The final flights for the American retreat with the deadline of Tuesday would have had room for a few, a few civilians, according to a U.S. official, who is not authorized to speak publicly. Of course not, they never are. Some equipment used to protect the retreat would have had to be abandoned. You know, like the weapons that they abandoned and left for the Taliban, 80-something billion dollars worth. Let me get the actual no number, because I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> I hate being wrong. Okay. Let's see, it's a long time ago. It's from New York Times, that estimate. Let's see here. Oh yeah, and the hurricane's happening. And they just happened to turn out all the power. It's just a coincidence, don't worry about it. More chaos. Well, damn it. If I yeah, just I'm looked it up, I could find it. <laughs> yeah, just so, uh, about 45 minutes ago, or maybe at this point, an hour ago, um, they announced that the last plane carrying U.S. troops have left Afghanistan. Mm hmm. That was uh, the McKenzie, General Kenneth McKenzie, who you referenced a few minutes ago. Sure, yeah. Let's see here. Just enjoy the silence and, and you know, have a you little meditation. <laughs> you know what else is fitting for the United States? That they told us the, the drone strike that took place a few days ago in retaliation for the bombing at the Kabul airport. Yeah, the original one. The yeah. initial one. Mm -hmm. What's ironic is that they said... You know, the United States officials Found it. say... 85 billion, sorry guys. Oh, okay, no problem. But it's ironic that they say they only bombed an ISIS planner, right? And then no civilians or anybody, you know, anyone else was caught up. Well, of course that turned out to be a huge lie. So. Yes. And then the last one that they did, I don't know if this was necessarily them, but there was a rocket attack that was intercepted recently. I don't know... Is who that was attributed to. I read that it was attributed to ISIS, so I don't know. But um, just a lot of rockets right in the middle of ending a war. That's totally normal. Don't worry Correct. about it. Uh, so the Taliban was very helpful as the United States. You can't make this shit up, uh, is what uh, General McKenzie said um, as they closed down operations in Afghanistan. When asked about the role the Taliban played, or as our wonderful fearless leader says, Taliban played from <laughs> Taliban um, played from a security perspective. He said that the Taliban Taliban helped establish a front perimeter outside of the airfield to prevent people from coming onto the airfield during our departure. He said the Taliban, however, did not have direct knowledge of our time of departure, but they knew when to 
Secure the airport. <laughs> Come on. We, close, we chose to keep that very information very restricted, he said, but they were actually very helpful and useful to us as we closed down operations. Thank you, Taliban. <laughs> he doesn't say that. I'm saying it. I'm saying on behalf of the U.S. of America, thank you, Taliban. <laughs> I never I'm thought I would you, say uh, that. I, you know, I really, it would be nice if there was, uh, you know, any legitimate reporters who you could quickly find and look to see if any of them actually have been on the ground out there and talked to anybody. Right. And not just like, not just high level, quote unquote, Taliban, Taliban officials. Well, what I said was like they had people from different outlets, like locally talk, doing interviews with people on the ground. And that's how they found all this information and the information about the children who were killed yesterday. Um, that the CENTCOM didn't want to admit to at first and was like, hey, we're looking into these casualties, but we'll give you, you know, we'll look into it. Like, we don't know if it happened. We're looking into it. We're assessing it. Um, yeah, correct. It's just like with the, during, you know what, this really is a blast from the past in the future. Literally. In that, you know, we're back to drone bombing and saying that there's no civilian casualties. Yeah. Right? It just like exactly what happened during the Obama administration. Uh, it was drone strike after drone strike after drone strike. And we really should give him, he really does deserve the uh, Nobel Medal of uh, <laughs> Peace. Because, you know, all his drone strikes just hit all their targets and they never hurt anybody else. Who it's amazing. To be killed. It's, you know, that guy really is God. And, you know, we should show uh, deference to him. Indeed, indeed. Um, I, I, it's funny how they updated this article on USA Today's website um, after we left Afghanistan for permanently, but not really. Um, and they just so happened to bury all of the stuff about the children being killed. Interesting how that worked out. Exactly. It's and, just you know, nowhere no to be found. Up in the media Oh, it's right at the end. Okay, good. Wonderful. So, getting to the story. Drone strike may have killed civilians, but let's just put that at the bottom of the article. We don't really need to Where they know it. 90% of the people are not going to make it to. A United States drone strike targeting ISIS-K bombers, because they said so, in Afghanistan on Sunday, may have killed also may have called, also killed civilians. Except it has, and they've admitted it now, and I'll get to that in a second. We are aware of reports of civilian casualties following our strike on a vehicle in Kabul today, said Navy Captain Bill Urban, spokesman for the U.S. Central Command, on Sunday. At least one of the occupants of the vehicle was believed to be a suicide bomber, according to a U.S. official. The, of course. Of course, yes. That's the line. The suicide bomber always tells you when he's going to go blow himself up. For real. The pen- they put out tweets. <laughs> yes. The Pentagon confirmed the drone strike Sunday, saying it was against an imminent ISIS-K threat to the airport in Kabul. We know that there were substantial and powerful subsequent explosions resulting from the destruction of the vehicle, indicating a large amount of explosive material inside that may have caused additional casualties. Yeah, when you blew it up. (laughs) That happens. When you blow up a bomb, it's going to do that. (laughs) Dumbass. It is unclear what may have happened, and we are investigating further. Yeah, I'll let you investigate yourselves and see how that goes. Exactly. Because that always goes well. <laughs> Let's wait for the leaks. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. I'll wait for those. Uh, the U.S. Embassy in Kabul had warned of a specific c- 
credible threat and urged those hoping to evacuate to leave the airport. President Joe Biden said sun Saturday the, the Kabul airport was highly likely to be the target of another attack, almost like he was predicting something, almost like he knew that that was going to be the case before the August 31st withdrawal deadline. Almost like they're trying to save face by killing these ISIS-K people who weren't really there, uh, according to people on the ground. Um, that they killed, like, an interpreter for the U.S. military. I mean, it was a whole big mess. Um, and a bunch of children, at least seven children, according to sources on the ground. <clears throat> then we got, like, the update here, just so you guys see what he originally said. U.S. Central Command Statement on Defensive Strike in Kabul. We are aware of reports of civilian casualties, that whole thing. We're still assessing the results of the strike, which we know disrupted an imminent ISIS cake threat to the airport. No, it didn't. We know that there were substantial and powerful subsequent explosions resulting from the destruction of the vehicle, indicating a large amount of explosive material. Same thing that I just read. It is unclear that what may have happened. It pretty much is, though, and we are investigating further. Well, Twitter investigated before you, and they found out what happened, as usual. So I was going to say that's usually what happens. You're not needed here. You've done enough. Go home. <laughs> Basically. So that's Afghanistan in a nutshell. And then today, before they announced the withdrawal of everybody, Saki came to Saki it to us and give us an, a report. And she was just as callous as ever. And a dude actually did ask her um, a question, a journalist, I assume, asked her a question about the children who were killed and said there were seven children, at least seven children, who were killed in the blast. And are their lives as important as the ones from the attack before, the 13 U.S. service members? And she proceeded to say that, you know, we, we don't want anyone to die, basically, but we minimize deaths here, like, more than any country. Like, we're so good at that, basically. <laughs> you know, paraphrasing. Um, and said, okay, now we got planes again. This is Hollywood. It is what it is. Um, we'll let it pass. Oh, speaking of planes, I just saw a picture, unconfirmed, of a Black Hawk helicopter from the U.S. with a person hanging down. Of, from it on on Twitter. So that's a fun image to see right when everybody gets out of Afghanistan. I know, right? Nothing to worry about there. The Taliban will take care of everything. In fact, in this article, what's fucking hilarious, I didn't, I went right over it. Hold on a second. I gotta go back up to the meat <laughs> of the article. Um, this was interesting. McKinsey estimated there are 2,000 hardcore ISIS fighters in Afghanistan now. Why? Because they were let out of prison. Nobody's saying that, but that's exactly. what happened. Many of whom, that's just a coincidence, right? That they were let out of prison before the withdrawal, and then we had all this back and forth bombing and stuff. It's all coincidence. It has nothing to do with the government implementing attacks, um, you know, through their intermediaries, basically. Um... Hardcore ISIS fighters in Afghanistan now, many of whom were released from prisons. They, they say it in the article. I give them pre credit for that. 
by the Taliban, but who will now pose a threat to the Taliban's rule. Why the fuck, I have to ask, would the Taliban, who hates ISIS, according to the people in the government... Correct. Why are they now all of a sudden chummy chum? Why would they let them out of prison? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Make it make sense. Well, here's the other thing. Here's the, uh, another question. Um, as it pertains to Afghanistan. So we, <clears throat> it's been confirmed that the United States left behind yes. um, equipment and weapons, right? So Just you, have vehicles, you have vehicles, you have everything. Um, what else? You everything have, we're paying vehicles, for. Guns, just everything, right? Yeah. So how long will it be? And, we're le- and we've left Afghanistan, right? Well, so I'm getting to that. Before- yeah, so how long before one of those um, American weapons are used to harm Americans and used as a justification to get us back into a war in which we sent more Americans to die? Well, funny you ask that because the next sentence this motherfucker said was, I do believe the Taliban is going to have their hands full with ISIS-K. Asked about his personal reflections on the war's end, he said it was very, very conflicted, actually. But, or I was very conflicted. I was pretty much focused on the task at hand. I'll have days ahead to actually think about that. So he basically admitted that it's going to be Taliban and ISIS going back and forth. And then with all of the Afghans in the middle, you know, to be blown up at will, basically. So they're just leaving Afghanistan in the worst place that they could possibly leave it before they leave. And like, well, not our problem. And again, considering and considering the fact that we love um, occupying Middle Eastern countries for whatever their resources are or for whatever strategic uh, purpose they serve, um, we just know it's just a matter of time before, you know, those two groups do something that ends up doing what? <laughs> that ends up doing what? Harming Americans. Yeah. And, that'll, and like I said before, that'll be the justification to re-enter the theater in whatever capacity that is. Whether if it calls for more drone strikes. Yeah. Whether that calls for, um, you know, another invasion. Yeah. It's just going to be a problem. And you know what? It, you know, it could be a couple of weeks, you know? You know, uh-huh. just a couple of weeks from, from now. What, when would that be? Just a few weeks. You know, it could be, you know, Saturday, you know, September 11th. Uh-huh. <laughs> Possibly, probablemente. I don't know. Just putting uh-huh. it out there. That could be something that we could do to celebrate because we're psychopathic murderers in the U.S. government and the CIA and all of these groups that are involved. They could just want to celebrate in a big, big way. I don't want to say how, but, you know, that might be what's in store. And maybe some of the people who didn't get to leave Afghanistan, who wanted to, who were left behind, might get involved in that way as well and be put in danger. We don't know. We will see, I guess. It's just for the t- ISIS and Taliban to figure out. You know, let them work it out together. I'm sure they've got some great plans in the future. 
Yeah, I'm sure of it. With the weapons from the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. Unbelievably. I mean, you couldn't make this shit up. If you put this in a movie, I don't think anyone would believe it. And I've seen Wag the Dog, and I don't see this being as believable as Wag the Dog, even. Like... Oh, it, it, you know, that was the other thing I was going to say. I kind of lost my thought before. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, all of this just seems like such a clusterfuck yeah. on purpose. Yes. So that whenever, it, you know, so that whatever is necessary, whatever they feel is necessary to do to put down the next quote-unquote threat, you know, everything is there in advance for them you've got the ISIS you've got ISIS running wild you've got Taliban running wild yeah. you've got all these weapons you've got the drug trade so you have all of these things and it's just going to the chaos is basically what they want so the question is what are they going to use it for is it to go back to Afghanistan or is it going to somehow tie into Iran somehow down the road because yeah. you know that's the last country that is on the list to be invaded in the Middle East, and the only one they haven't been able to yeah to get into in the way they are in Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, regime et change. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, I do have a little fun Iraq update that I found out while searching for something else about Afghanistan. They gave me Iraq. Well, no, they about the war specifically, like when the fuck it's going to end, and I got my answer. So, um, apparently, while all this shit is happening, all along, they've been anticipating withdrawing from Iraq, so we have to do this again at the end of the year. Ah, okay, so... Or is this just France? (laughs) Then they'll just run these same stories over and over, but instead of it being... Uh, Afghanistan, it'll be Iraq. So it says here in this article from Rudah.net in English from Kurdistan, um, the U.S. will stay in Iraq and the Kurdistan region for the long haul, uh, they always say that, and remains committed to defeating the Islamic State group, of course, the U.S. Consul General to Erbil told reporters on Monday. This is also brand new news. The United States is staying in Iraq of course, because they always do, including the Kurdistan region. We are on this journey with you for the long haul, Robert Palladino said in a press conference on Monday, adding that the situation in Iraq is different than Afghanistan. Okay. What will happen at the end of this year is an end to any combat role, that's how they put it, for U.S. forces, and that is the only thing that is ending. It is in the best interests of the United States and in Iraq to continue our strategic partnership. So that's what they want to do is the, in, the, in these countries is just stay there forever with the forces and like work with those militaries and, and get that regime change and get all of the, like just interfering with other countries, which I thought the Russia was so guilty of that and... We should worry about them, but now we're seeing that we're doing this shit in other countries, in a country that, once again, was in a legal war, a fake war based on faulty intelligence. Like, how the fuck do you make it so that you are allowed to stay in a country you were never allowed to enter in that way, 
and you went ba basically invaded this whole time and you get to stay there that imagine the ego of these motherfuckers in charge that they're like we're gonna stay <laughs> so basically it says to december 31st 2021 the u.s forces will not have a combat role anymore so they'll stop drone bombing everybody so that's nice hey could we do that in yemen next and syria <laughs> seriously they're just waiting until uh, all of Yemen is destroyed. Yeah. We gotta have the genocide. Oh, no, I said genocide. Well, I'm not on YouTube, so I don't care. Um, that's exactly, that's precisely <laughs> what's happening in Yemen, though. It is exactly what's happening. Not providing support. Actually providing support to Saudi Arabia in military form, while uh -huh. at the same time pretending to provide support and money to, I'm guessing, money laundering agencies in, for Yemen on the other side. And just, you know, standing with a big check like, hey, we're helping out. You're not. They're being bombed into oblivion. So. Yeah, we, it would be nice if, you know, if we had decent people in charge and, you know, only fought because, you know, again, like everything else, nothing will be perfect. You know, you could change all these policies for the better, and you'll still, unfortunately, have some need for uh, some kind of conflict. Um, the issue is we're not even seeing conflict. Like, I even hate yeah. that we call these, I even hate that we call these things wars. Because, you know, a war, I would think, is like my block versus your block, Defen right? Defensive. It's offensive. Yeah, it's all offensive, and... <clears throat> It's usually one side with a whole lot of gadgets, toys, communications, tech, and the other side is basically using whatever they can get their hands on to defend their homeland. Yep. And that's and that's where we are. So we shouldn't even call them wars anymore. We yeah. Just call them what they are: invasions, imperial. Yeah. You know, imperial activity, empire. You know, whatever you want yeah. to call it, call it anything but a war. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Well, now that we're done, if we're done with Afghanistan, unless you want to add anything to what we've talked about, because we've done a lot about Afghanistan, I wanted to get to boosters, because those are coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, as far as Afghanistan goes, you know, I don't... I think we pretty much discussed all... We pretty much discussed everything. I mean, I guess if we need to... Uh, come back to it or if it comes back up later on you know we can always delve back into it yeah we can circle back as we like to no, say no don't do that <laughs> we'll do a sake <laughs> she had a bug in her face today that was pretty that was pretty fun um, she said that was an aggressive bug I'm like I bet you were the aggressive one actually <laughs> wow you probably triggered it you probably, exactly with your lies she, I, I compared her to Ari Fleischer today, which I felt really good about on oh Twitter. God, I, hate that guy. I said, you know, Jin Saki is the next, is the new Ari Fleischer. Yes or yes. <laughs> and so, you know, and then I had the shoe, shoe throw from the guy, the journalist to Bush as the gif. That was fun. Because, you know, Ari pisses me off on Twitter too, but. Back in the day, he was just spinning all kinds of mad shit from 2001 to 2003. He was in the midst of everything. Like, he would just be... I, I mean, I guess, he, you know, back then, 
there was a more adversarial press, which didn't help. But also, they did tell certain people who really wanted to go at Bush, you can't come into the press room. So they did have a little bit of that going on as well. Uh Helen, I think her name was Helen. She was very uh, famous for that. I forgot her last name. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh, She's probably dead now. (laughs) She was very old then. Um, R.I.P. Helen. (laughs) I don't know. Um, R.I.P. Ed Asner, I guess. Well, not R.I.P. I don't really do R.I.P. because I find it very much a cliche. But I will say, like, the the mainstream media has not been very forthcoming with what he was about, necessarily, because it does not mention his truth activism within the 9-11, like, investigational movement um, that so many were a part of that, you know, kind of get brushed over by the media and they don't want to talk about it because then we have to talk about whether it was an inside job or not or whether the commission report was legit or not and of course it wasn't and the eyewitnesses seeing having uh, experiences which didn't really line up with what was told in the official story with bombs and stuff and like firefighters seeing the bombs and it's, it's a lot of stuff. Like, even t- Donald Trump that day, that motherfucking president that we just had, he went on and he was like, yeah, I, I think it was a bomb. He literally said on the day of when they were looking at the damage. So it's interesting that that's not coming up in the media. A lot of the, a lot of the workers, the maintenance workers, who, and maybe the media hadn't planned for this. Right. But clearly they had, um, gotten out of the building and whenever they first spoke to the media what were they saying they were in the sub basement so yes they would not have felt the plane hit the building no. and very many of them were interviewed by local news stations such as CBS channel 2 you know these are all New York channels yes, two, four, yes. five, seven. so it ran the gamut from ABC CBS Fox um, ABC, you know, um, and New York One, all of them had at least one or two interviews with the maintenance people who said it felt like bombs, who said that they were, there was an explosion so hard that they were like either knocked off their feet or made to like fall into a wall or something like that, or they lost their balance, right? Right. And that the firefighters happen, said that too. That could not happen to them at that level if a plane hit the building. Correct. It, and if you'll notice, you go back, there was no follow-up reports to those people. No one ever spoke nope. to them again. And the only people who were allowed to speak on the topic were people who were of, uh, who were of the selected class who were allowed to speak on it. Yes. So, you know, I think it's fair to say there were a lot of questions regarding that event. And it's funny enough um, that... Ed Asner was supposed to be a guest on a panel with uh, a fun researcher that I enjoy, Whitney we- Whitney Webb, um, who's also a journalist other than me, um, n- n- unlike me, whatever. Um, but she she writes a lot of good stuff, and she does a lot of good stuff, and she's she's been researching 9-11 for quite some time. But she was going to be able to meet him and have the panel alongside him, and then he just dies before uh, a couple weeks before that happens. So that's unfortunate. Also, he was 91, 
And what's interesting is that I was talking to my mother about him like just a few days ago and telling her about his activism in the 9-11 truth movement. And we talked about it a good deal. And luckily my mother, she's not so... She's kind of statist on some things, and I think she could agree with that, but she probably won't. Um, but on this, on 9-11, she knows that was bullshit. <laughs> she's a Democrat, but she's like, that, was, that wasn't that was real. I mean, she doesn't, she's not as outspoken about it as I am and people around me, but she does agree with me on a lot of things. Because, you know, you can't disagree with facts. Like, there are facts that don't make sense involving that event and then the pentagon you know thing and then the um you know where they say it could have been not a plane and something else and there's no there's just there happens to be no footage of anything and then the debris was weird you know what i find ironic is that in today's world people tend to whenever they want to use um an example of some horrific yeah. um, historical event. The first thing they always run to is World War Two and the events that occurred during that time period, right? Yes, and that was and, also messed up. And there's always this this need to just say everyone is like Hitler, right? Every leader you don't like is like Hitler. Right. Every political opponent is like Hitler. You know, they're behaving like the Nazis, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, there's a couple things that are funny or ironic, shall we say, about the use of World War Two and all the characters and all the events surrounding it, right? Because yeah. if everyone loves to talk about it, but no one wants to make the connections to see how much alike the two events were. So, for instance, you had the Reichstag fire come to find out. It wasn't uh, some foreign, uh, some foreign adversary who burned down the German parliament. Was it the parliament at the time? Yeah, I can't one. remember. But the German government, the German equivalent of the capital, right? That was burned down. <clears throat> right. And right. as a result, what happened? Hitler and his people said, "Why? Oh, you know, we got to band together. We have to take care of the homeland. We have to secure the homeland." Blah, 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 right? Right after 9-11, what does Bush say? Oh, we have to secure the homeland. Yeah. <laughs> almost, almost the same words as Hitler verbatim. And again, like I said, that Reichstag fire. And then we got done. the Homeland Security, the Department of Homeland Security. And, uh, exactly. So you see where yeah. I was going with that one. But, you know, it's I the same that. thing repeated. They struck themselves, made it seem like somebody else punched them, and then they proceeded to launch a, an invasion into several countries. Same thing just happened here. And, you know, if we're talking about the subject of 9-11, we, we'd be totally messed up if we did not reference PNAC and rebuilding America's defenses. Correct. You cannot talk about that without referencing without refer making reference to it because they yeah. literally told us this is our plan we're just waiting for the pearl harbor to happen to let us go there the new pearl harbor yes mm -hmm. and then theater wars all all over those doc that document is theater wars theater wars which makes it like seem not as real you know so Correct. and then the unmanned vehicles in the sky unmanned um aerial vehicles or whatever they say you know, for the future, they're going to just be in the sky and then there's going to be space. So they talk about space in there too. It's a very interesting document. 
and very predictive, <laughs> predictive programming. And, and again, every country that's on that list, along with the countries mentioned by General Wesley Clark, um, you know, the former general who went to the Pentagon Correct. right after right after 9-11, he went to go see if he could help. He went to go speak to someone who was still active in the military. And what did they tell him? And obviously, this is not just a private, this is not a private first class anything, right? This had to be somebody with a clearance up there because, you know, obviously he has a clearance as well, a certain level. So with that being said, he's told to look. We're going to use this to go into the next, you know, five or seven countries over the next several years. Yes. There's not a country on that list that has not felt America's military presence. Or Israel's in the Lebanon's case, you know. Um, I don't think they're as as involved in Lebanon here as their partner, Israel, is. Um, and is always attacking them in one way or another. Always. Correct. So we see for the countries that the United States didn't put the flag on the bomb or the bullet or the tank, right, or the or right. the drone, um, there's the Israeli flag there. Yeah. I mean, obviously we can't just – and, you know, for the, the people who would be listening to this, I would assume you know it's not just America. I would assume you know it's like, yeah. you know, the European countries involved in this as well. It's a but, world you know, government problem. Correct. And when, when I say America, I'm really just mean, I'm referencing the West as a whole. That includes, you know, the Western European countries, France the colonial and, powers. Yeah, Canada. Canada's been fucked up with Saudi Arabia for a while, too. Um, Canada's really like, uh, segue real, uh, sidebar real quick. Canada's like the neighbor who you think is nice as hell. Yeah. But... They doing all kind of fucked up things in the house. Like they poisoning, uh, she's poisoning her husband, the children. She's skinning cats alive. Like yep. Canada's, they just appear to be very nice. Cause when you see the same neighbor outside, she's like, "Hi, how are you? How are the kids?" <laughs> and you're like, "Oh yeah, they're great. Thanks for asking." She's so nice until you go inside the house and realize she's a psychopath. Yeah. And Canada's the same freaking way. Yeah, and then um. Speaking of Israel, bringing it back, circling back to Israel, um, they they just announced um, in one of these stories that I have that um, the boosters are now available for everyone. But yay! So now everyone can have really limited, um, what is the word, uh, efficacy in their vaccine uh, for the future. This is a very interesting article because it's from Reuters, and you would expect it to be like very rah 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 boosters, but it has some interesting stuff in it, and it's by Ari Rabinovich. Uh, I guess I'm gonna give him a shout out for this, but not really. Um, but the, Reuters, keep in mind, um, a chairman of the of the board of Thomson Reuters, the organization that puts out this news or propaganda is um, Jim Smith, James C. Smith, who is also just so happens to work for Pfizer. So it's a little bit of a conflict of interest with the reporting there, but it is what it is. Uh, Anyway, this is from August 29th, so not the most up-to-date information, but from yesterday. Um, This is the only... I wouldn't have gone to Reuters, but this was the original fucking article. So I'm going to go to the original article no matter what. 
uh, says Israel on Sunday began offering COVID-19 booster to children as young as 12, and its prime minister said a campaign that began a month ago among seniors has slowed a rise in severe illness caused by the Delta variant. So the way they're putting this out there is like the media is trying to be like wait okay it doesn't stop covid infection we know that oh it's fine it's fine the breakthrough infections are you know they're just infections you know they're not killing people or putting them in the hospital as much as you know the other thing if you're not vaxxed at all i mean just don't worry about it you know it's it's fine and you know it's fading yeah the effectiveness is fading but that's okay don't worry about it just get another booster it'll help (laughs) that's basically what it is amazing as they tell us how ineffective this product is, and product being vaccine, as the manufacturers, this is not coming from third parties, this is not coming from a politician or a businessman or a salesperson. The manufacturers themselves routinely deliver the news to the governments and to the media saying, hey, our product really doesn't work. Yeah. Look, everyone keeps still getting sick. So now we're going to have to give you booster shots. And whenever somebody such as myself or such as you, Elle, whenever you, when we say, no, nah, we're good, we're going to skip on participating in your experiment, you know, we're the ones who get looked at sideways as if they're not telling you that this thing does not work. Yeah, so, it's, it's so classic gaslighting. The issue is with the real conspiracy theorists, yeah. not the people who study conspiracies. <laughs> they keep, no matter what, they move the goalposts and then they say, you know what, you're crazy because this is actually working. You just don't see it yet, but it's coming up. Don't worry about it. Just get the next booster and the next one. It says here that uh, announcing the decision, top Israeli health officials said the effectiveness of the second dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine waned six months after administration making a booster necessary didn't we warn about this shit a few months ago i remember saying you know this shit isn't gonna last very long and they're gonna get a booster and everybody else was who was like being censored off the internet for a while well you know as as with everything when we're discussing things like covid or foreign um foreign misadventures by the military and the intelligence community there are always multiple uh, targets, multiple goals that they have to reach. So yeah. I'd say one part of the agenda was what? To get you vaccinated. But here's the thing. You as the manufacturer of said vaccine aren't going to, you're going to make a lot of money off of, vac- off of a single vaccine, a single dose, like whether it's one shot or two shots, but it, you know, um, Three you're, shots, you're four only going to make five, so five. much... Correct. You're only going to make so much money. So the goal for the money component of this for the fact for the um, vaccine manufacturers is to get a booster shot. Yeah, they were never not going to do that. And it's already been reported that Pfizer has made um, almost eleven and a half billion dollars for the first half of 2021. Yes. Right. I'm a Pfizer girl. (laughs) So. million safe to say let's just say the second half of the year turns out the same yeah so they're going to report 22 billion dollars in revenue right right do you know how much more money they stand to make with the booster shots exactly the 22 billion dollars that they made this these first year or so 
is going to be cool, but the money that they're going to make after the fact is going to be just out of control. Because then now that you won't even need to do press releases or have the media giving you scrutiny, it'll just be like the regular flu shot, and everyone will just line yes, up. Yes, that's day. what they're saying September. now. Yeah, Isn't that funny? The people happen. who were saying that we weren't ever going to have booster shots are now saying, "Oh, it's just like a flu shot." Oh, now it's like the flu, huh? Well, we, we were saying it was like the flu before. You were like, "No, it's not the flu. It's worse than the flu." Blah blah blah. It's, oh, now it is exactly. the flu. Funny how that changed. And Over it time, rather quick, and it changed in a matter of maybe four to five months, if that much. It just shows how easy it is to control people. I mean, when yes. you dumb them down first and give them very limited information. Uh, you know, I was always of the mindset that around 30, 35% of the people like kind of know what's going on. I'm going to have to revise that down <laughs> to, I think, probably like 20, 25% really know what's going on. Well, they say here that the people are 10 times more protected after the third vaccine dose, which isn't true. Those eligible... Okay, so, so it, let's, hold, let's hold on right there real quick. How, how is that? What did you do with the booster shot that you didn't do with the vaccine? Well, they said it brings us the to, to the level of protection achieved by the second dose when it was fresh. So why wouldn't you just retool your vaccine <laughs> to put the booster in the vaccine so then it, so you can eliminate the need for a booster? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. It, it, it's so easily uh, mapped out, and I'm not a smart person. You know, I I'm just have to read things and remember a few things here and there. So I would never claim to be uh, an intelligent person, but if my dumbass can figure <laughs> out certain things and see certain patterns. A lot of other people should, but I just realize um, admitting certain things and trying to un get people to unbelieve certain things. I know it's not a word. I always use it. Trying to get people to unbelieve um, is damn near impossible. You can't get them to let it go or to accept the fact that, yeah, there are evil people who run the show. Yes. And they mean to cause you harm, if not death. Exactly. And then it says those eligible for the third shot can receive it provided at least five months have passed since their second jab. A time frame shorter than the an eight-month interval in effect in the United States, which is considering cutting the waiting time. So they're looking at Israel for like guidance on what they're going to do here. And Israel is failing. And they say at the end... There are already results. The increase in severe morbidity has begun to slow. Naftali Bennett, the new prime minister, said. New prime minister, yeah. But we have to complete third doses for all of our citizens. I call on those age 12 and up to go out and immediately take the third shot with no See, evidence that it will work at all. So listen, just listen to what that said. I urge everyone 12 and older. So I, you can't send your 12-year-old to the store to buy you cigarettes or to play your lotto, right? Or to get your liquor. Right. But it's okay. So 12-year-olds are supposed to just tell their parents, Amazing. hey, mom, you know, I went to school today. The nurse came and asked me about a shot. So, yeah, I went ahead and took it. Don't worry about it. Don't question it. Consent so that, is almost, where we are. Consent is, is only uh, important if it's to do with sex and driving and drinking and cigarettes. <laughs> but not a medical oper like uh, procedure that 
will change your life and maybe might make you worse off in the future with your heart uh, problems. Give you you heart problems. And you know, let's not even deal, let's not even go to the extreme, right, of death or like lifetime permanent injury, right? Let's just go, what if you end up up and you're in the hospital for four or five days? Who wants that? That's what I'm saying is like even anything like small, like that's going to eat up the bills. Like that's going to make it so hard for you financially in the U.S. specifically. I'm pretty sure Israel has healthcare. You know, we pay for everything there. So we've already gotten them healthcare there. Um, But here, it will be a different story. It'll be people like racking up hospital bills, which will get the big pharma more money because they'll get more medicine. And it'll just be an endless cycle. We love capitalism. (laughs) Crony capitalism. And don't you love the stories that say the unvaccinated are driving up the hospital costs? It's like, huh? How the un- if you're vaccinated and I'm not, and we both end up in the hospital, how is it I drove up costs more than you did? Shouldn't we be saying the uninsured versus the insured? Yeah. If we're going to complain about costs? Also, if you're in the hospital, you just you weren't ready for whatever happened, and you didn't prepare yourself for what ha- what happened, and you you didn't notice the symptoms that you were having. So. <laughs> Or you couldn't afford to go to the hospital, so then you end up in the ER after all, and then, you know, eat up costs there, and then you end up on a ventilator, which means you're probably going to die at that point anyway. So I hate it for people who end up in the hospital who, like, take over the ICU or whatever, but that has more to do with healthcare not being as readily available to people who can who can access it. They can't access it because they're poor or they've been put in a slump by the lockdowns or what have you. So they end up ignoring symptoms and trying to get over it the old fashioned way. But then they probably don't go to like multivitamins and like vitamin D and going outside and stuff because they think, you know, their their vaccine, the vaccine is the way to go and they're like, oh shit, you know, I should have gotten the vaccine. Like the people at the, who are on the like death's door, who say to the media, oh, I wish I got a vaccine. You know, like, you know, that could just be bullshit. I mean, bullshit. Yeah. If maybe one or two people said it, and I I could see some, I I could see maybe one or two people saying like, well, damn, maybe I should have got the vaccine. If you told me that, uh, you know, I could believe it. But every day now it's at the point they're running story after story. And the headline is person dies right before they died. Damn, I should have got the vaccine. It's it's not like, oh, tell my people I love them. You know, tell them your your last words. Tell them where the money is. It's not none of that. It's, oh, I wish I got the vaccine. Right, yeah. And then, you know what's funny is, um, well, I'm going to get to that in a second, but I wanted to say about the liability issue, because people have been wondering since the FDA approval happened, what's going to happen with the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine and liability, like indemnity, indemnity and all of that. Well, I got a little article today that might blow your mind because it's, uh, it's referencing India, but it's sort of the same situation. So this is what Pfizer is doing in India right now. Our good old Pfizer, they're just up to so much good stuff. They just care about the world so much. They love everyone. They want to keep them alive for as long as possible and not dependent on drugs. Overseas indemnity. Oh, you're going to interrupt me with a pop-up? How dare you? Okay. 
Overseas indemnity, new hurdle in India rollout of Pfizer COVID vaccine. The rollout of Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. I don't know why they, they just put, that's what they do. They keep putting like the fucking market, um, like how much it's up. Like that's what it's all about, honestly. This is economic times to be fair. But like all these articles just don't give a shit about people. They just care about money. So, just like the big pharma, so of course they're going to promote them. Um, Correct. Okay, so the vaccine in India is facing another hiccup over the indemnity issue. The company is insisting that the government bear the liability for all its vaccines administered in India, even if an adverse effect, an adverse event claim is made outside the country. Sources aware of the deliberations told ET, Economic Times in India times. Um, The company has sought an extension of indemnity for vaccines administered administered in the country even if the person subsequently moves abroad, said a government official. India is reluctant to provide such overseas, I would be too, uh, indemnity, but is in talks for an early uh, resolution to facilitate the supply of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine in the private sector, the official added. The company, however, said nothing specific to India had been sought. Our intent behind the indemnity ask is to reach a balance of risk given that these are extraordinary circumstances in which vaccines have been developed and deployed, said a Pfizer spokeswoman. Our ask is not specific to any particular situation or geography and is also consistent with our are asked from other from over a hundred other countries where the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine has been successfully deployed. We remain hopeful that we will be able to make the vaccine available for use in the country. Oh, is that a threat? <laughs> like that sounds so like, hey, if you don't go with this deal, we might just stop sending you some shit. <laughs> you know, that's why that's why it really that's why it kind of upsets me. When I see, like, for instance, the cur- countries in the Car- in the Caribbean, you know, your Hades, your Jamaicas, your Puerto yeah. Ricos, and all the rest of them, you can see that all of their lockdown measures and everything they were doing was only because all of their money from either the World Bank or the IMF or just maybe even some of the other traditional banks. Um, but largely we know it's the IMF and the World Bank, those loans were tied to their their COVID compliance. Yeah. If they had not complied, they would have also, if they would, have, yeah, if they, in order to get the money, they had to comply with everything that the first world was telling them to do. And I, it makes me upset because these are people who I know use natural remedies and all this shit yeah. to cure most things. Not saying that they don't use, uh, you know, traditional medicine, but they are also very big on using what the hell comes out of this ground to cure themselves. And you know what? It works a lot of the time. Yeah. And I'm not saying, look, if you get your hand chopped off, that you could just rub some, you know, some <laughs> some sand on it and it's going to be okay, right? Nobody's being that ignorant. But ailments like colds and coughs and sore throats and runny noses, there are things in those places 
that people use to combat those things. And you're telling me that you people who live and eat like this, you make fun of the American diet because of all the shit we eat here, and you're so scared of a flu, like, and yeah. you had to go to these harsh lockdowns. Like, I don't know if you saw in Dominican Republic, but they were driving down the street, and people who were sitting outside their homes in chairs gathered with their neighbors, the police were coming, taking the chairs from them. Yeah, that Throwing makes them sense. in the back of the pickup and pulling off. And so now Australia is that in tells me situation. somebody's hand, palms got greased because those same cops could drove by some of those places that got a plate of food, a plate, uh, a plate of food just a few weeks earlier. You mm-hmm. know, so it's just like we know it's some bullshit. Well, finishing. But I'm sorry, up. I took you on a tangent, but go ahead. That's okay. Uh, Et had Et being the Economic Times had earlier reported that the company had sought overseas dispute resolution in the event of a challenge over adverse impact. There have been international media reports about the company seeking onerous conditions from governments in Latin America, including acting them, asking them to put up sovereign assets as collateral for potential uh-huh. future legal costs. See, I was going to come uh-huh. back around and circle back to it. Uh, an indemnity shield... Uh, Oh, an indemnity, an indemnity shields a manufacturer from any legal challenge in the event of a serious side effects. Manufacturers have sought such an indemnity as vaccines have been developed at a rapid pace, you know, Operation Warp Speed, to fight the pandemic, and the side effects are not yet fully known. Which is maybe why so you, you shouldn't have done that, but okay. So you see, so... What people don't realize what they've consented to, so, you know, since we're talking about vaccines and consent, what they have, what the masses haven't realized they've consented to is the fact that <clears throat> you allowed this company to put forth a product in record time and they're forcing you to take it and you're trying to force everybody else to take it and you have no legal recourse should something exactly. go bad. So the only thing you have left is a bunch of hospital bills. And they can't do it with U.S. I don't think there's a uh, there's a clause that says like the U.S. can't be sued for this stuff. But I don't know if, exactly what the details of that are. It's very confusing. The Prep Act is is something that they're using in the in the documentation from the FDA. And then I just wanted to re mention. I don't know if I mentioned this before on the pod, but the leaky vaccines uh, theory from a while back is interesting to bring up in, in regards to these boosters and the amount of vaccines that we're going to have to see. Leaky, leaky vaccines, are you saying like shedding? Do you mean like shedding? No. So this is maybe something that we should look up, uh, into as maybe something that led up to what we're seeing now with the waning um, e- efficacy or efficiency, whatever. Efficacy, effectiveness, said, right? effectiveness of the vaccines, the safety safe and effective vaccines are not going as well as as planned and this is literally from april 5th 2019 this article from healthline.com a legit source that is fact checked literally says fact checked on it uh written by roberta alexander it was updated on april 5th 2019 i don't know exactly when it was um written you know you know i'm at the point it takes me like days to finish articles because I have to check everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that, that's not to say that I, I don't, I just... That's good, I though. Just, 
blindly don't believe anything that I read, right? Um, well, it's good to look I'm into just, it. I'm a super skeptic, and I always have to go, all right, who owns this website? Yes. Okay, who pays for this? And, okay, you find a person, all right. What school did they go to? What organizations are they on? What boards do they sit on? And when you start going yeah. down those paths, you start realizing, like, Carlos is a big club. It really is it a is. big club. I was and looking... Yeah. And there's levels to it, and not everybody know. The guy on the uh, the guy on the third level doesn't necessarily know what the guy on the seventh is doing. Even if it's local news, I looked up this organization, Media Group, uh, something Media Group. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like it was an original article from like Denver or some shit. I don't know exactly where. Um, some okay. random place, some random Gazette or some shit. It wasn't a Gazette, but like a Register or something like that. You know, it had that name on it. And I read until the end of the article, and then I looked at the stuff, and I was like, I wonder who's putting this information out. And then I looked at the, the media group, whatever media group it is. It really doesn't matter, because they all, there's so many media groups like this group um, that has, on the website, it will show the local news, you know, papers that it has, and, you know, online, you know, journalistic, you know, websites and stuff. And you look through, and it's like, Denver, 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 because it started in Denver. And then uh-huh. California, 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 all throughout, so, you know, Northern California, all throughout. It's places I've never even heard of, you know, and then Michigan, and then Massachusetts, Boston, and New York, and it's everything, except LA, of course. I mean, there was one LA, actually. And I was just like, wow, this is like 60 something different newspaper. Uh, or news outlets that are local. So even local news is part of the conglomerates. So it's pretty mind-blowing <laughs> to see that. Um, when you think about all the big newspaper giants and stuff, you don't think there's another one that owns all the, the local media. And that's what happens. They get swallowed Look, up use, too. I use this uh, car rental... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um... Like, this is how I try to describe it to people, right? It, things are so well hidden, but it's in plain sight that you don't even know, right? right? So, for instance, if you go to rent a car from Avis and you have bad service, you may say, you know what, screw Avis, I'm never going to Avis again. So when you go to rent a car, let's just say this time you choose budget, you're like, you know, oh, budget is good. I'm going to stay with budget. If you didn't do your research, you would never know that Avis owns budget. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You know? So it's like also booking with... and, and Priceline, it's not really the same, but like they're the same. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, people have to really pay attention, especially when it comes to these media reports, because you may see something on this website, <clears throat> a, uh, a site that you think is reputable, a la CNN, NBC. <laughs> You know, stuff like that. And you'll just take it for fact. And it's like, yo, look who owns these these organizations. Yes. The topic they're talking about. Look who's involved there. See the connectivity between the organizations and the messaging. But also... The, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, finish. But also, what I like to do is, like, cross-reference everything and see what they're saying now versus what they said then and like catch them in their lies and then see what they said in the past and use it for the future stuff like that they're not like 
saying that shit now, I'm sure they would probably, the health line would be like, leaky vaccines? We don't know anything about that. And yet they wrote this thing. So, like, well, we didn't mean it like that, you know. It's not referring to these, you know. This is something different, you know. (laughs) It's a lot. We're through, so many things have happened and are happening under the COVID umbrella. And unfortunately, a lot of people's, uh, you know, everyone has a short attention span <clears throat> yep. to begin with, right? On purpose, yes, from the media. And, and it's just like, now it's, there's so many things happening at once, your attention span, you can't keep up with everything that's happening right now. It's true. That's why I'm glad that there are people, like, in the comment sections of these, like, websites, these random comments that will be like hey look at this look at that and i'll be like i didn't even think about that thank you that's how i learned about ade antibody um enhanced antibody defense dependent enhancement uh which is something that people are talking about a lot now i learned that in a comment section on a youtube video (laughs) like literally like somebody put a whole bunch of copy and paste shit about sars cov 2 and ade the like from a study and I was like okay well that's interesting thank you very much for that information I don't know what to do with it I don't really know what it means but thanks <laughs> but you know later and you're like oh okay got it but and back to the leaky vaccines because I want people to see this article um and see what what happened and I think Alice Jones went over this recently too um he's been talking about it for a while though and uh the chickens uh think that's another thing about the vaccines so you know uh, I'll get to that in a second. But um, by studying, this is leaky vaccines can produce stronger versions of viruses, which is part of the ADE kind of problem. Where in a, And even Fauci said this, I guess I can leave a clip for that, um, where he said that um, the worst thing that could happen is if you get the vaccine and then it makes, and then enhances everything and then, you end up in a, with a worse disease than you had to begin with or something like that. Um, and that's kind of what's happening to a lot of people at the moment who got the vaccines. So anyway, by studying chickens, researchers say they have proven the theory that more virulent viruses can evolve from so-called leaky vaccines. And then it says, you know, this is weird. Um, the current debate over vaccinating toddlers is small potatoes compared to the potential risks of using leaky vaccines to prevent disease. According to a new study published today in the scientific journal PLOS, P-L-O-S, Biology. Let's see what date that was. That'll be good. Journal, journals.plos.org, and I'll leave that as well because I don't just put the one source if there's a source within a source. Uh, July 27th, 2015. So this is an older uh, phenomenon that's talked about here. Something they knew about, obviously, going in as well. Um, Gotta keep that in mind. He knew. Fauci knew. What did he know and when and all of that. Uh, Some types of vaccines could allow more virulent versions of a virus to survive, putting those who are unvaccinated at greater risk of severe illness. Huh. To understand this, it's necessary to examine the difference between perfect vaccines and leaky ones. Perfect vaccines are so named because they mimic the perfect immunity that humans naturally develop 
after having certain childhood diseases. Um, when a vaccine works perfectly, as do the childhood vaccines for smallpox, polio, mumps, rubella, and measles. It prevents vaccinated individuals from being sickened by the disease, and it also prevents them from transmitting the virus to others, said Andrew Reed, an author of the study, and an Evan Pugh, professor of biology and entomology, and Everly professor in biotechnology at Penn State University. What we learned from chickens. Enter the chickens, those poor innocent chickens. Reed was studying vaccines that could combat malaria when he got interested in Marks disease, a highly conta contagious viral disease that affects chickens. It's a form of herpes that is found in chicken dander and is more virulent than the Ebola virus, he said. After experiments done in a specialized pathogen containment facility at the Purebright Institute, oh, I remember them. They're the ones who got the patent. Oh, fuck, some kind of microchip thing. I can't remember. I'll, I'll get back to that in a later episode because Purebright I've talked about before and I'm going to... Maybe I'll find the source from the previous episode and put it in here. But, like, Peerbright, we've heard of before. And they are connected to Bill Gates, uh, oddly enough. Um, in the United Kingdom, the researchers concluded that the vaccines developed to combat Merrick's disease were imperfect or leaky. These vaccines are also, uh, also allow the virulent virus to continue evolving precisely because they allow the vaccinated individuals and therefore themselves to survive, said Venegul Pal Nair, who led the research team. He is the head of the Avian Viral Diseases Program at Purebright Institute. The, or Purebright, I'm not really sure which one. Uh, these less than perfect vaccines create a leaky barrier against the virus. Vaccinated individuals may get sick, but have less severe symptoms. Haha. <laughs> Haha! <laughs> what are we seeing now? <laughs> this is creepy! <laughs> Isn't it creepy? <laughs> it's like, like everything said, has been told. <laughs> I was gonna say, it's not even... You're not even a conspiracy theorist. You're just basically repeating what they tell you. Right. In the lie, they tell you the truth. The headline is misleading. The print of the article reveals what it really is. I'm just convinced that these paywalls are just ways to keep people from getting to the truth that they do put in these publications which are meant to bend your your mind, you know? Yeah. And then it says, but the virus survives long enough to transmit to others, <laughs> which allows it to survive and spread throughout a population, which you would want if you're trying to get rid of people, I'm just saying. Our research demonstrates that the use of leaky vaccines can promote the evolution of nastier hot viral strains that put unvaccinated individuals at greater risk, Nair said. Marek's disease used to be a minor ail ailment that did little harm to chickens in the 1950s, but the virus has gone stronger and today it is capable of killing all the unvaccinated birds in poultry flocks, sometimes within 10 days. But since nearly every chicken in an agricultural production throughout the world is vaccinated, Marx is a relatively minor problem today. So that's interesting knowing that chickens are vaccinated right? <laughs> as well. Uh, you know, and they did this after, not before. Yes. That's telling. 
rigorous testing and vigilant monitoring, what, what's the answer to this, of next generation vaccines to prevent the evolution of more virulent strains of viruses will help. Reed sees this as a crucial to as crucial to the current attempt to develop an Ebola vaccine. He notes that secondary techniques can help when using leaky vaccines, such as insecticide treated bed nets for prevention of malaria. So that was quite interesting. Hmm. So that's a problem. Oh, look at this. Right under this article, it says researchers working on single-dose, long-lasting flu vaccine. So you can do that, but you can't do this. <laughs> Interesting. It's, it's, if you just use, applied a little bit of common sense and just apply a little bit of the belief that these companies, these leaders of governments, um, you know, the leaders of the banks, etc., they don't mean they don't really need you right they only they're they're showing you in ways large and small that they don't need the large number of us because they're set to replace us because while all of this corona vaccine and, and you know lockdowns as this stuff is happening we also have to pay attention to the tech takeover that's happening at the same exact time um you know all you need to do is have the businesses change their marketing to, right. um, or just add to their marketing campaigns in addition to bringing you um, top quality and whatever bullshit they sell you. But they're going to be like, look, we're doing our best to stem the spread of a virus by doing what? We won't have humans in the store anymore. Right. <laughs> just get rid of the humans. That's the, that's the answer. And the government and everyone claiming or crying rather not claiming everyone crying for the government uh to shut us back down right. in response to the growing quote cases uh that are increasing all over the country um the government just told you they was going to give you two thousand dollars when yeah. the time came they said no we're not giving you that sorry my bad oops in addition to that now they give you a little three hundred dollars you know, maybe uh, some people now EDD. are receiving, what, $300 per child or something like that. Unemployment. Yeah, and the child tax credit. For, yeah. And the child tax credit. So, I mean, look. More tax in, shit. In real world terms, having an extra $300, $600 in your pocket is very helpful. Especially when you live in check to check. And, you know, after you pay your bills that week after, that week in between paying your bills and the next paycheck, it start looking like, ooh, I got to calm down with my spending this week, you right. know? Um, so that does have a real-world impact. I can't say that it does. Is that the answer? No. But sticking with the theme of lockdowns, etc., the government is not going to make you whole no. for keeping you home. And they have already shown you that. And the speed and pace at which this stuff moves is worse than molasses in January, as my teacher used to and say. And even the WHO has said that the lockdowns are detrimental. They're not helpful at all. They all were right. a wrong move. So, that's like, true. if you listen to the scientists and all of that, like, they're telling you that's not the move. You're just, at that point... I don't know, people get used to being enslaved, they get used to being isolated from each other, and they just crave it because it's all they know at this point after a year. I get it. But like, go outside. 
there's so much in the world that you can enjoy. And then um, I wanted to get to this last thing about the the vaccines or whatever, or not the vaccine, the virus, um, where one, I'm just going to state, because I don't know how to segue to this one, but the FDA is corrupt as fuck as I've gone through, like, listen to the last step, well, can you listen to that? Yeah, you can listen to the last episode and then the one before that. Um, well, actually, the last episode is pretty good. Okay, the last episode that we did on Saturday of The Political Matrix is on the channel that I'll link below because it's not on that one because we got kind of fucked around with by Google, which is to be expected when you put COVID-19 in the, in the thing, uh, in the hashtags, which is probably not the best move, but what are you going to do? And um, so... That's the thing. You have to, like play around yeah you know i mean it, it seems cool in the movies but in real life it's just like you know this is crazy yeah that you're you literally to in a dystopia. just to talk about something factual yep so and it's not child porn either right we can leave some of that up and we can leave some some child abuse up on google google's website but you know this stuff is you know it's misinformation even though it has actual documentation to back it up which is what i do on a constant basis like i'm always providing sources i'm always trying to be one step ahead of their motherfuckers the motherfuckers but here we are um so basically what i want to get to i i went into it a little bit on that episode was that the mda mda the fda commissioner the U.S. FDA commissioner, you know, because there's another FDA somewhere, I guess. But um, the, the USA FDA commissioner before was Scott God, Gottlieb, and now he works as a consultant for CNBC, is it believe, I believe, somebody, at, an NBC affiliate. And then he also works as um, a show for, for Pfizer now um just at right in the year that he left uh the fda he became a show for pfizer which is interesting and he became on the board of pfizer and now we have um i've looked into this other guy because he kept coming up on twitter thank you twitter people like random people just mentioning shit on twitter i love that uh, in the in the replies that doesn't really have anything to do with the story but i enjoy it uh dr stephen hahn Oh, these are both doctors, of course. He was the 24th U.S. FDA commissioner. And now he's the um, chief medical officer of... No, no, no. He joins flagship pioneering as chief medical officer of its preemptive medicine and health security initiative. What is flagship pioneering? Well, they just own a few companies. Let me name them off real quick. I'll list them right here. Uh, the current flagship ecosystem, according to their website here, comprises 41 transformative companies, including Denali Therapeutics, NASDAQ, and DNLI. Can't forget the you know NASDAQ stuff. Indigo AG, Moderna, NASDAQ mRNA. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, sorry? How did that happen? Now he works he works for this c- company that owns Moderna and he used to work at the FDA. That's weird. Okay, then Jim Smith, of course, Reuters and now Pfizer at the same time. So, 
these are just, you know, some examples of conflicts of interest that we might want to take into account as we look at all of these reports and everything on these news outlets where they frequent, um, frequently shill for pharma. <laughs> so, um, on that note, I wanted to end on, on healthline.com again because the new virus is coming because we got to worry about something else. There's always a next pandemic, as Bill Gates has said. So... The next one is apparently called Marburg virus. You might remember that one from, well, I wanted to say before, by the way, uh, on the animal studies and stuff, like the animal testing of these vaccines, that's why I can't get one technically, legally, or whatever. It's a belief to be ethically vegan, apparently, according to a lot of sources. And so I think I can get away with that, which is good, because I actually do care about animals. It's not just a ploy. And I don't want them to be used for science, and I don't even use drugs in the first place. So there you go. So the last thing is Marburg virus. Did you want to say anything about what I said about the conflicts of interest? Are you there? Hello? Uh, sorry, I my cheek hit the uh, mute button. No, it's not important. That, <laughs> I was just, no, I was saying that uh, I kind of touched on what you said earlier regarding the conflict of interest, you know, earlier on when we were discussing, um, like, the newspapers and articles and stuff like that. Right. So, oh, okay. no, I mean, you just, you know, it's basically icing on the cake, you know? Yeah. Or it's batter either or, however you want to look at it. Yeah. And then, so the Marburg virus came up I saw this on Twitter, too. Thanks, Twitter. I, I honestly... Some of these people on Twitter, they make it worthwhile to stay there. I really appreciate you know, it. You know, there's a lot of complaints about Twitter, and quite honestly, like, if you know what you're looking for and you know how to search it, just enjoy the bullshit that comes in between whenever you're using it as a tool, you know? Yeah. Well, going back to, like, the idea of these leaders and, and, you know, doing all this shit for the, to build back better and for the Great Reset and everything, and, you know, making people get vaccinated in, in their countries, like, uh, and locking them down for uh, an exorbitant amount of time, like um, Boris Johnson. Well, you know what? He has a, he's a father who is an author. You might remember this book, because... It's going to be fun. Uh, the Virus, which was one of his early works. He, it was in 1982 when it was published. And it came up in the midst of a lot of other theories and stuff before uh, where people were looking into background information on these people involved in the, in the vaccine initiative and everything. And remember, Bo Boris Johnson signed up with Gavi, which is an outfit from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So something else to think about for vaccine initiative right yes um and so what happened is his father had written a book in 1982 it kind of came into like popularity recently because it's called the virus and it's about a virus and it says when a young woman in new york city dies mysteriously after a trip to europe top epidemiologist lowell kaplan identifies her the cause of death as the marburg virus a fatal strain that has since has surfaced only once before in history. Determined to trace the source of the disease, Kaplan follows a trail of intrigue 
from the labs of Germany to the jungles of Central Africa. Ha! <laughs> That's interesting. But powerful forces are conspiring against him. Determined to meet this, keep the secrets of the virus's origin kept deliberately under wraps. What does that sound like? And with a global epidemic on the rise, Kaplan must go to unimaginable lengths to save mankind. This shit is from 1982. It was blowing up back in the day. Well, now they got a new virus to watch out for, and it's called, guess what, the Marburg virus. Marburg virus is a real virus that was what that book was based on. And it just so happens to be something that is affecting West Africa right now. Son of a bitch. (laughs) I was just reading about it a little bit. Of course, it's um, it's from bats, or it seemed like they got a picture of bats up there. But, you know, it's bat-related, so it's in the Batman family. Always. Um, Fruit bats, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, and then... It's, of course, it's in Africa. They've had outbreaks in Africa. Yeah, we gotta get Africa, because they're always fucking with Africa. Always. Um, Could the Marburg virus start another outbreak? What we know. Let's scare some people. There's a bunch of, if you look up Marburg virus, like seriously, in the news, like on your preferred search engine, you will see a lot of stories, because this shit is coming 100%. It's very Delta variant-like. It's gonna keep coming. It's the new thing. So, health authorities in the West African nation of Guinea confirmed a case of Marburg virus disease earlier this month. Just in time for the boosters. (laughs) Just in time for... Go ahead and tell me that there was a large delegation of (laughs) them that traveled to the U.S., Please, just, you know, light the candle already. This is the first time this virus, which causes a highly infectious hemorrhagic fever similar to Ebola, has been detected in West Africa. The WHO calls the disease epidemic-prone, meaning that it can spread easily between people if not prevented. As the world focuses on battling COVID-19, Another dangerous virus was detected in Africa this month, causing concern among health experts. Health authorities in the West African nation of Guinea confirmed a case of the virus on August 9th in the south, southern Gokedu, there I got it, prefecture, according to the World Health Organization. This is the first time this virus, which causes a highly infectious hemorrhagic fever, as I said before, similar to Ebola, has been detected in West Africa. There's a first time for everything. And it just so happened to be part of that book, which is just a coincidence. Uh, We applaud the alertness and the quick investigative action by Guinea's health workers. The potential for the Marburg virus to spread far and wide means we we need to stop it in its tracks. Dr. Machidiso Metal, uh, who re- regional director for Africa said in a statement, we are working with the health authorities to implement a swift response that builds on Guinea's past experience and expertise in managing Ebola, which is transmitted in a similar way. According to the WHO, 
where this case of Marburg disease was identified is the same region that experienced cases of the 2021 Ebola outbreak in Guinea and where the 2014 to 2016 West Africa outbreak was initially detected because they don't have any other playbook. It's the same fucking playbook. Same places. They don't care. And nobody will notice. (laughs) Even with Ebola, oops, the vaccine accidentally spread the virus again. Right, Right. yeah. Where does it come from, though? A 2012 article published in the journal Viruses found that the first reported filovirus hemorrhagic fever outbreak took place in Germany. Germany. That's where the book says they go. They said entry from the labs of Germany to the jungles of Central Africa. At least they didn't say West Africa. That would really freak me out. But <laughs> still Africa, so that's kind of weird. Germany and Africa in the book and in, in real life. Weird. Uh, and the former Yugoslavia in 1967. It, it began when lab workers in Marburg and Frankfurt, Germany in Belgrade, Belgrade uh, and Yugoslavia, now Serbia, contracted a previously unknown infectious agent. Of 31 patients that developed severe disease, it caused death in seven cases. According to the article, the source of infection was traced back to African green monkeys, ah, imported from Uganda and shipped to all three locations. Decades later, we understand that monkeys weren't the primary source of the virus. Of course not. And it took you decades to figure that out. The host of Marburg virus is the fruit bat. It's the bats again. They don't show signs of illness, however, and can carry the virus. How convenient for them, said Chloe. Whatever this person's name is, who gives a shit? He explained that the virus can then jump to an intermediate host, like we've heard before, like a monkey, which can transmit to humans or if or it can transmit to humans directly by contact with fruit bats or their guano. So don't eat fruit bats, guys. Oh my gosh. And then the symptoms are sudden onset of high fever, chills. How do you have that at the same time? Okay. Headache, body aches. After about five days of the initial symptoms, a rash develops mostly on the chest and back. Additional symptoms then occur that include nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Fun chest pain and abdominal pain and after this there may be skin color changes where the skin appears yellow jaundice the pancreas and the liver become inflamed leading to liver failure and massive bleeding this sounds fun what are we going to do to treat it let's see they explain that while there's no specific treatment no we're just too busy to work on that For Marburg disease, most people seeking care will require intravenous fluids and replacement of electrolytes, supplemental oxygen, and replacement of blood and blood products. She confirmed that there's currently no vaccine against the virus. About 25 to 30% of people who contract Marburg HF will succumb to the disease, she continued, and warned that the disease isn't easy to identify. How perfect. Marburg HF may be difficult to diagnose initially, as the presentation initially resembles many more common viral infections, kind of like COVID did. And then she emphasized that it's very important for patients to tell their doctor if, they're tra- if they've traveled to the area and 
well, that may be associated with an exposure to the virus that causes Marburg disease. The bottom line is the WHO confirmed the health authorities in the West African nation of Guinea have recently identified a case of Marburg virus disease. This virus causes symptoms similar to Ebola. It's a type of hemorrhagic fever that causes internal bleeding and originates in a species of fruit bat, you know. Experts say that Guinea's recent experience with an Ebola outbreak in 2014 has enabled the West African nation to quickly control the situation, even though they can't really treat it. Okay, sure. <laughs> and 25 to 30% will succumb to the disease. <laughs> Sounds like it's a, a little bit targeted to me, but okay. A little bit. How's that going to affect the slave trade, you know, with the companies that are outsourcing slavery from these, from West Africa, that region? Well, again, that's how we know um, <laughs> that the, you know, the rise of the machines, that's where we're at. Yeah, that is what is happening, and all the ma vaccine mandates, I feel, are for that as well, to to start the automation process, which we want so much, and the biometric era. And also, I wanted to mention, because I forgot to mention it before, but the biometric update that I mentioned before in the intro, the very first intro, was regarding um, Afghanistan. So back to, we're circling back to Afghanistan, saying that there's a lot of biometric data that was, you know, cultivated there. That is in the hands of the Taliban now, so I'm sure there's nothing to worry about there. And in Facebook, cases, probably not. And Facebook joins ID2020, of course. Uh, so that's a great, great news for the biometric people. The people love biometrics. So I think that's about it on that. Thanks for listening, uh, and you know, stay tuned for the next episode. And I hope that everyone is able to get out there and make their voices heard because it's really important that we all come together, even individually, and shout to the world that this is not okay what's happening. Because going back to what we've said a long time ago, <laughs> we're in a shit show right now and we, we got to get out of it. So uh, best of luck to everyone and listen to the show political matrix I will link below both of the channels that it will one of them that it will hopefully be on the next episode and then the one that we did um, on a different channel so links below thank you so much for listening thank you so much Chris for coming on the show Sai um, had fun talking didn't expect to have such a long uh, conversation obviously but I do appreciate you coming on and giving me a little more content so I can split it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> we'll put Any the Kanye shit on YouTube or something because YouTube won't have a problem with the Kanye shit. But then the back stuff we can put on the on the, yeah, on the on the podcast. So, mm -hmm. yeah. All right. <laughs> you know what it is. All right. Thank you All so right, much. Guys. Peace. Peace.